Hello, friends. I'm B.T. Irwin, and this is a little podcast that my dad and I are making for you. If you ever wondered what it is like being a church minister or pastor, we're taking you behind the scenes for an inside look at real life ministry work. And you're going to notice that uh, dad and I are not professional podcasters and that the production quality is sometimes a little amateur. But if you give us a chance, I think you'll find that the lessons and stories and wisdom that you get here are worth it. Think of the next hour as sitting at the kitchen table with dad and me as we talk shop and tell stories from five decades of church ministry work. Uh, Oh, about my dad, Travis Irwin. In December 2020, he retired from 45 years in ministry to Church of Christ congregations in Ohio and Tennessee. Every lesson you hear here is a lesson dad learned in the trenches. Every story you hear is true and every bit of wisdom is hard earned. We started this podcast to share all of it with you, whether you're a minister too or someone who only sneaks into church once or twice a year. My mom, Debbie Irwin, is going to join us for this conversation, and the story today picks up in Ashland, Ohio, January 2004. Dad just preached his last sermon for the Steele Avenue Church of Christ after 22 and a half years of that congregation. Now, in January 2004, Dad is burned out. He's empty. He's exhausted. He's not even ready to think about starting over or what to do next. And while mom and dad didn't know how they were going to pay the bills with dad not working, they also knew that they both needed time to heal, rest, and seek God all over again. They didn't plan for it, but the year 2004 2004, turned out to be a sabbatical year for both of them. So let's hear what they have to say about it. This is Minister in the Making, episode number 33. If you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. All right, so dad, mom, we're picking up in uh, January 2004, and when we last talked, uh, dad, you resigned, uh, you resigned and preached your last sermon at the Steel Avenue Church of Christ, uh, I think on January 4, was it? And was yeah. it January 3, January 4? I mean, January. first Sunday in January of, of 04. Right. Uh so this question is for, uh, for both of you, but you know, dad, you go first. What did you do the next day? What was, what was it like on Monday, January five or whatever that day was? Of course, that's been 18 years ago. So I, I don't, I don't think I can remember. Uh, it was different because I didn't have to get up and get and go to work. I probably I may have slept in, um, but I kind of felt like the pressure of the world was off my shoulders. I didn't, hmm. I didn't have that stress anymore. Had a different kind of stress now. I had to had the stress of trying to uh, do something else. But uh, at first, I'm sure it was fairly easy. And uh, I had some regrets. Still had some anger. Um, still was sad. But I'm sure I'm sure I was also relieved as well. Hmm. Your mom went off. Your mom went off to work and left me at home. I'd also bought some material to start studying for myself to, to increase my faith, strengthen me. Mm-hmm. So I started that study as well. So uh, you don't remember much about that Monday and sounds like it was a normal work day for mom. She, she went off uh, to work dead. At that point you had had 
you had been working from home a lot. Your office was, was in the house. Uh, so there's the Monday after your last Sunday at the Steel Avenue Church of Christ. What about when Wednesday night rolled around? So in our family, you know, we always go to Wednesday night Bible study at church. That's right. just been a big part of our lives. So right. when Wednesday night rolled around, what did you all do? We had already talked about that. Um, it was kind of an odd feeling because, like you said, we went to everything in church. We we did our, we had our own studies. We had our own devotionals. We had our own studies. And when I talk about studies, I mean studies. It wasn't a, a five minute study. It was you know maybe an hour. Maybe it was even longer because we had to. At least I had to reexamine my faith, and we needed uh, a special faith to get us through what we were going to be going through over the next twelve months. So we had we had our own we had our own personal study, and. Um, we did a we did a study of um, you can't walk on the water until you get out of the boat. We did that mm -hmm. four or five times. We did that several times. We did that when we traveled, but we did it at home as well. But we did a lot of studies like that just to build up our own faith. Mm -hmm. What about you, Mom? How did it feel for for you to not go to Wednesday night Bible study and um, be a part of the normal thing. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't just the fact that dad, you weren't working there anymore. This had been your community right. for, for 22 years. What did it feel like to, to not join them on, on that first Wednesday night? Well, to be totally honest, <clears throat> it was kind of a relief. Hmm. And the reason I'm saying that is because of course your dad for years had not been refilling his bucket and he was totally empty. But for the last, and what the reason I'm saying to be totally honest, for the last couple or three years that we were there at Steel Avenue, I had been very unhappy with the Bible classes. Hmm. <clears throat> they, they weren't feeding me. Hmm. And I know that there were times that I had said to your dad, I would be better off staying at home and studying by myself then come into class. And so it was kind of a relief for us because we could both get refilled and be fed. And um, I look back on that time with, um, with great satisfaction, hmm. to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. Good way of putting it. So when you... Um... So when you got to the next Sunday, then you, uh, you did go to church. I mean, you had talked, I think in the last episode about you were making plans, uh, over your last three months, uh, with the steel Avenue church of Christ, you were looking ahead and thinking about, uh, church because you weren't going to stop going to church. Um, so where did you go, uh, for, for worship? and communion um after you left steel avenue we went to we went to some, we went to some churches in the area but we basically ended up in columbus hmm. at a church in north columbus and we went there quite a bit out during that time i also started doing some traveling with your memo and papal hmm. doing church finance so i went to church every sunday with them usually at a, at a church that they were trying to help with financing and your mom stayed at home 
your mom would still have you uh, during those times. Oh yeah, really? When I, you know, when I wasn't home, yes. Interesting. So um, before we get to the church finance stuff, you, um, I, I remember from our last conversation about this, you, you decided that you needed to, you needed to find somewhere else to go. And uh, I think you said something about, you know, we just needed to you know, go to church somewhere for a while and not, you know, <laughs> be responsible for what was happening there. Um, and so you drove, Columbus is 80 miles away from Ashland. So sounds like you drove an hour away from Ashland to visit congregations down uh, in North Columbus. Was it, I want to focus on that when you were visiting other congregations, I mean, did it feel weird? Uh, was it hard? Was it, you know, were you like a, either one of you? Cause you know, dad, you're the preacher, but mom, you've always been active in teaching and, and leading ministries in, in church. I mean, did you feel like a couple of like professional athletes who were sitting on the sidelines, you know, watching a game and thinking I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm supposed to be up there in that pulpit, or I'm supposed to be teaching that class. And what was it like for you to, for the first time in your adult lives, not be the people leading, but just visiting and sitting in the pew and participating like everyone else? It was nice. It was ah. nice. It was, it nice. was a relief. It yeah. was a relief. Yeah. For both of us. Yeah. I never, I never thought I should be up there preaching or I should be up there teaching. I never thought that. I thought, I'm glad I don't have to be up there teaching and preaching. Wow. And, and it's kind of interesting because for most of your dad's adult life, you know, when he has sat under the feet of someone else, if he's heard another sermon or if he's uh, been in another person teaching class, a lot of times we would have discussions afterwards and he'd say, you know, they could have added that or I would have done it this way or something like that. There was none of that then. Hmm. There was none of that. It was just feed me. I'm like a sponge. I just want to soak it in. I mean, there really wasn't any of that kind of stuff at that time. Hmm. So did you think, I mean, I think that's, that's an important point because, uh, and thanks for making it mom. Cause you said, and I do remember this when we would go on vacation as a family and we would uh, we would visit other churches on vacation and, you know, we might be in the car after visiting those churches and listening to, uh, listening to you, dad critique, you know, maybe critique the sermon or, you know, talk about, well, you would have done this. So I, I, I remember those conversations. Uh, so mom, it's an important point that when you started visiting other congregations after you left Steel Avenue that th there was none of that, that dad wasn't saying, yeah, you know, I would have done it this way, but you were just, uh, for the first time in your adult lives, uh, being a sponge, like you said, and being fed. I, did you, did you look at each other and say, you know, I could get used to this. Like, I I'd like for this to be the way it is the rest of our lives. Or were you like, uh, I might get back in the game eventually, but this is nice for right now. I mean, what was your what was your outlook on the future at that point? I, I knew one day I'd get back into it. Mm -hmm. uh, at that time, I, at that time, I didn't miss it, but I knew that one day I'd get back into it because it was too much of my nature just to walk mm -hmm. away from it totally and never go back. Mm -hmm. And I did go back. 
Yeah. And I think you need to understand this was a weird, weird time okay. in our lives. It was, it was, um, your dad was so drained. Yeah. It was just, he was not, he wasn't weird, but he just wasn't his normal self. He was just empty. He was drained and there was just nothing there right then. Mm. And so there wasn't any of the, a lot of the normal thoughts. They just weren't there, you know? Yeah. So dad, you said a minute ago that, um, after after your first first or excuse me your last sunday with the steel avenue church of christ you woke up on monday morning and uh you mentioned you know well i gotta i gotta do something now right we talked about this in the last conversation as well i gotta bring in some income right you you said you were no longer worried about uh the work that you needed to do with the congregation but you had a new set of concerns which was i gotta do something now to to bring money in um had you already made plans before your last day at steel avenue church of christ to go to work with your parents no. or i mean was when you woke up that monday morning after your last sunday was it just a blank slate like okay what am i going to do now and and like every option was on the table from go work at walmart to <laughs> you know uh, do car detailing on the side to, I mean, what, what were you thinking at that point about how you were going to earn income? I don't, I don't think I had any prospects at that time. Mm -mm. And that was one reason why we kept studying over and over John Ortberg's book about mm -hmm. if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat because we were walking by faith. We yeah. were walking by faith. We knew that your dad had no option but to get out of the boat right then. Mm -hmm. And so we were just walking by faith and we were, we were saying, okay, we're really testing our faith here because he's not bringing in an income. And that's just, that's just kind of where we were. The whole thing with your mama and papa was their idea. Yeah. 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 They, they made the offer. I'm, I'm guessing, and I'm putting this out here so that you can correct me if I'm wrong. Like I, I figure that mom, you were probably, uh, knowing you the way that I do you, I feel like you're, you had no worry about this and you had your stress under control and you figured that God would take care of things and you would just keep working in a direction. I would normally think that dad, because of his nature, would be the one who worried, who would worry about it. And, uh, and, and that mom, you would be reminding him, but it sounds to me like dad actually didn't even have the capacity to worry at that point. Um, because everything you've said about his bucket being empty, it sounds to me like dad was kind of a zombie, <laughs> like a walking, like the walking dead. Um, so, I mean, I'm just trying to get a handle on the emotions that y'all felt uh, about your future. You were you were studying John Ortberg's book. 
if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. You were really putting your faith into practice, but, um, you know, was there, I mean, how much concern was there for how you were going to pay the bills and what you're going to do next? And did that start to change and grow as the weeks went by? Well, we still had a mortgage. <clears throat> Your mom was working, but her money went to Harding University for Beth. Until that point. Until mm. that point. Because we just, but because at that point, we said, we're going to have to try to live on my salary. Mm -hmm. And Bethy's going to have to get loans or something. Mm -hmm. we, your mom still didn't make enough to pay a mortgage, plus all the other expenses we had. Yeah. You know, we just, we just prayed about it. At least uh, we prayed about it, and it was it was a time of trust. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible says, "Be anxious in nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving make your request known unto God." So I tried to live by that because that's always been one of my favorite passages of Scripture. I try to live by it. It's kind of hard to do that whenever you got a mortgage coming up in two weeks and it's over a thousand dollars, and you don't have the thousand dollars. But um, the Lord provided every month. He provided every week. Yep. He provided everything, everything we needed. We weren't going on expensive vacations. We didn't have the money, but we had everything that we needed. Hmm. Maybe a, a few little extra things, too, as well. God provides in a lot of ways, you know. Right. He doesn't just provide money in money. He provides in a lot of other ways. And we've always believed that, you know, if somebody ever showed up at our door and said oh i had these grow in my garden i had some extra i thought you might like them we always considered that from god hmm. and so he he always has taken care of us and we never missed a bill during that time we had everything that we needed what are some ways that um if you can remember what are some ways that god did provide for you during that time I mean, dad, you said I got a mortgage due in two weeks. It's a thousand dollars and I don't have the money to pay it. And yet it got paid. So do you remember some of those stories of God's provision? Well, the, the main provision at that time was your, your mama and your papa, because they were in church finance. They were winding down and trying to get out of it, but they went back. I think they went back in it for me and I got, I got paid a salary. I, they, they probably needed the money more than I did, but I, they paid me enough money to work and pay the mortgage. Hmm. And um, when I traveled with them, they paid for the meals, they paid for the uh, motels. Uh, so that wasn't coming out of my pocket, but I, anything that I made, I just stretched it. And we weren't, we weren't going into debt. I don't even, I don't know if we had a car note or not. Do you remember? I don't think we had a car note. I don't think note. we had a car note. I think maybe the mortgage. Mortgage and the utilities. And just regular, food. you know, expenses was hmm. it. We, We've tried not to live in debt. Yeah. And so we just, God just provided. He just, yeah. you know, we yeah. just always had what we needed. No one, no one from the church ever gave us any money. They may have given us some other things. Uh, your mom mentioned that a few minutes ago, but uh, everything that we needed, we had. We had a roof over our heads. We felt secure with that. But we knew there would come a time and place where a change would have to be made and there was a there was a, there was a, i wanted to get back into some type some type of full-time ministry and that was an evolution within itself because we came to the point 
where I had several offers. In fact, I had about eight or nine offers to go back into full-time preaching. Your mom said no. Hmm. We, had to, we had to think out of the box. We walked by faith a little bit more. Hmm. And we did. And you know the rest of that story. And you, uh, there's, there's a lot there. Um, when you, so you said you had eight or nine offers come up. And I, right. I don't want to forget that. I mean, were those, uh, were those immediate? Like when, as soon as you left Steel Avenue, did you start getting calls? No. Or no. it took a little while. Okay. So you talked about God providing everything that you needed financially, especially. So the mortgage got paid. There were groceries, you, you know, the light stayed on that kind of thing. But I, uh, it sounds like maybe um, this was one of the most spiritually enriching times in your lives yeah. from everything that you've, yeah. you've described. So your spiritual needs were, were being met in new ways that they couldn't be met maybe while you were working for a church. Uh, yeah. What about your, your need for uh, friendship and companionship and, and community? I, I, uh, you know, not, not being a part of, I mean, this, you were not members of a church during that time, were you? I mean, that's so weird to think about you not being members of a church. Yeah. Um, church has just always been your community. So d- did you, did you have anyone that you could like go have lunch with or, you know, just hang out with and talk? Or was this a time where you were really kind of in solitude as a couple? Kind of a little bit of both. Your mom had her friends at work mm-hmm. and uh, I, had some, I had some friends I spent some time with. Um, you know, Russ Howard's one of them. Uh, I can't think of anybody else right now. I should be able to think of somebody else, but I can't. Well, there were two or three guys that are kind of leaned on pretty heavy, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't bother them a whole lot because they were busy. Hmm. But uh, we, your mother and I spent a lot of time together. I think your mother and I got really close mm-hmm. to the Lord and close to one another during that mm-hmm. time. So that, there was a, there were several blessings wrapped up in that quote unquote challenging and difficult experience. Yeah. Did you, did dad, did you, change i don't know how to say this like when you're the preacher i feel like you've always got to be on right i mean yeah. I'm, I'm saying that from personal experience like when you're when you're the leader out front you always feel like you got to be on so you know as long as you were the preacher at the, the steel avenue church of christ you know you're out evangelizing you're having bible studies you're visiting people you're going to fellowship dinners, you get invited over to people's house for lunch, you're preaching, you're shaking hands. I'm, you know, think about all the interactions that you had on a day-to-day basis as the preacher. I mean, you were constantly with people. So I, at first I'm thinking about what was it like to suddenly not be constantly around people all the time? Like, was that hard, but you were burned out from it. But the question is, I, I get the sense that you were relieved to have a break and what I'm not sure that you were relieved to have a break from people, but maybe it was you relieved to have a break from being feeling so responsible for being the preacher around those people. So what I'm getting at is 
during this period of time, do you feel like you maybe for the first time in your adult life were able to start being a little more authentic and, and, you know, not have to like, not have to, 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 to be on, you know, uh, but to feel what it's like to like be off sometimes and be okay with that. Do you get the question? I get, I get the question, but I try to be authentic 24 seven. I don't, I, you're not, I'm not okay. So let me, what's that? I'm not the preacher 24 seven and I wasn't I'd, the preacher 24 seven anymore. I don't know, man, because I remember you cutting the grass in black socks and a button down shirt, which would indicate to me that, you know, <laughs> that maybe you were, <laughs> you were the, pre- you were, you were the preacher a little more than you thought you were. Um, well, I don't remember that. Maybe. Yeah, I do. I was like, dad, why are you? Mom and I go ahead. Go on, mom. I, I was just, I was, I was going to say, like, I remember asking mom one time, why is dad wearing black socks? Like, why is dad wearing good clothes to cut the grass? <laughs> he's like, God, why is dad got on a button down shirt and dress socks while he's cutting the grass? And, and mom said something like, well, your dad, you know, he thinks somebody might drop by or, or drive by the house. And he, you know, your dad, you know, he, he's, he feels like he's got to look like the preacher, you know, um, oh, all the time. And I was just like, all right, that's maybe going a little too far. That's, I just, I remember that as a kid. So that that's the backdrop for the question I asked is, is that you may not remember it that way, oh. but the way I see it is you were always on and um you felt like you had to be and so suddenly you're not the preacher anymore i'm just wondering if for the first time in your life uh you found out what it's like to 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 not be on and just be yourself and not be responsible for the relationship right in front of you you know that's a question for you and it's for mom too because mom often is a little more uh a little more candid (laughs) talking about what she observed but you you guys talk about that well he's looking at me so I guess I'll say something um it was a time of self-examination and self-reflection um your dad dealt with a lot of things that he had put off dealing with over the years it was a it was a great time of spiritual growth. It was a great time of growth. It was it it's gonna sound weird, but it was a good year. It was a good year in a lot of ways. We became a lot closer. Our faith grew. Your dad was getting fed spiritually. It was a time of self-examination and self uh um you know of examining himself for that year. Self-improvement. Your dad has always said that basically he's an introvert and that throughout his preaching career, he's always had to make himself go talk to people. You know how we've always joked about him working the room in the auditorium before services and stuff. He's always said that he had to make himself do that, that that's not his nature. And so Finally, for that year, he was able to be the introvert that he says he really is. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense or not. Mm -hmm. It was a time of relief for both of us. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, I'll take the answer. I, I'm, I don't want to jump ahead to future conversations, but I'm thinking about how that year, and I don't want to get too much into this now, but I'm thinking about how that year changed how dad uh, felt about himself and related to other people when he did get back into ministry. If, um, if not having to be the preacher for a year um, helped you dad get more comfortable with yourself and with who you were and learn to be a little more I was happy more being in your own skin. Yeah. yeah. I think it helped him to set some boundaries and to mm. understand that boundaries are not a bad thing. Yeah. Was That's that we studied? <laughs> Yeah, uh, Cloud and Townsend. You yeah. read Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. I think you gave me that book, um, or I read that book at about the same time you did, and it right. might have been a gift from you at that time. Do you think that Dad learned about boundaries more during that year, uh, or do you think Dad learned about boundaries his last couple of years at Steel Avenue, but did not know how to like conceptually dad knew what boundaries were, but didn't think he could keep them. And then you had that year off and dad learned, oh, boundaries are good. They're valuable. I want to have these things in the future. You're shaking uh, your heads. Uh, I didn't, I did not appreciate the idea of boundaries until after I'd burned out. Before I burned mm -hmm. out, my philosophy was uh, put the pedal to the metal. Let's go. Let's get it done and don't make any kinds of excuses. Um, uh, Sue Ramsey was the coach, girls basketball coach at Ashland University, and she gave me the book. Oh. Uh, long, not a long time before I burned out and resigned, but pretty. she, she knew, she was watching me, she knew that I didn't have any boundaries. And, uh, and I, I kind of read through the book, you know, you know, that's okay, it's good, yeah. But until I realized that it was the lack of boundaries that made me burn out and put me in a bad situation or the difficult, challenging situation I found myself in when I, re when I resigned and when I had to get out of preaching full time, did I, did I fully realize, okay, those boundaries things, that's pretty important stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to have boundaries. God did not, God's infinite, but we're not infinite. We're finite. We have limitations. God does not. And I'm not God. And I had to, had to learn all that the hard way. But I, I grew a lot during that time. And I hopefully I have helped a lot of people since that time. And in my own material that I've been writing, I am very cognizant of burnout. I'm very cognizant of uh, boundaries. And I encourage people in the church that serve, especially those who serve well and try to serve beyond their capacity to set some boundaries for themselves hmm. but that uh but but i had a deeper appreciation for boundaries definitely after i resigned and definitely a year or two after we went through 2004 and 2005 i finally figured it finally figured it out 
And uh, there's a lot of different reasons why I had a perverted view of boundaries before, but we won't go there. They were just not correct. And what, what it is, I was brought up in a, and to me, I was brought up in a culture of people always making excuses. And I was tired of hearing, I was tired of hearing excuses. And I thought, I'm never going to make an excuse. So I just worked myself to death, which is about as dumb, about as foolish, maybe more foolish. And I was, I was dead dog determined to make it, make everything work. And it worked temporarily, but then it collapsed. So which is worse? Both, both, both are foolish. So I, had, I learned a lot. So did y'all like, like your, sorry, I'm getting the feedback from my own microphone on your side. Uh, did y'all then like your lives a lot more? in 04 yeah there were things that to like about it absolutely it was it was um i don't know i don't know what the word is for it it was it was not our usual lifestyle and so that made it um somewhat uncomfortable but at the same time it was really a, an exciting good year because of the growth that we were both doing. Um, your dad, because he was relieved of the, the responsibilities at the church and it was good for him to spend time with Mama and Papa when they were traveling. That was good. Um, there was just a lot of good things about that year, even though it was a weird year for us. Hmm. We would, we, we would have not experienced all those things if I'd been full-time preaching. True. Yeah. Meeting other Christians in other congregations in other states, um, going to different congregations, church finance, learn some stuff about that, uh, more time with your mom, personal study, personal devotionals, personal prayer. Um, wow. Uh, walking by faith instead of by sight. I mean, those are all growing opportunities, and we took them and uh, wouldn't trade them for all the money in the world or anything in the world. Uh, but we had to go through a difficult time to get there, but it paid off. I think I think we're better people. Was the was the difficult time? What I hear you saying is that oh four that that year year and a half. I don't remember when you went back to ministry, Dad. What? When did you go back to ministry? March, 2005. Okay. March 05. So you had about a, a year and two, three months. Yeah. Um, that you're not calling that a difficult time. You're calling the time before that a difficult time. Well, all, you know, every, every, uh, season of life has some challenges and difficulties and, uh, but the, the the two thousand I call it two thousand four two thousand four had its had its own challenges. Uh, maybe the word difficulty is too strong, mm -hmm. but there were things that we had not expected or things that we weren't weren't normal for us. So we were kind of we were kind of walking on that water, and we just we just didn't have a whole lot of I didn't, at least I didn't have a whole lot of knowledge of what I was doing. I just need to get up every day and do the best I could to try to rethink everything and maybe hopefully get a job. 
Did you, um, I want to ask you about that in a second. I, the more you describe that year, when I asked the question about difficulty, I mean, nothing about what you've said sounds like difficult. It sounds more like you had a sabbatical. Like the more you talk about it, it was enriching, yeah. uh, you know, important spiritual time, uh, important time together. Um, everything you describe sounds like what a sabbatical is supposed to be. Yeah. Where you completely disengage from your normal, you know, your normal vocation and you, you study and you spend time and you focus on yourself um, and on God. And, and so I, I would characterize O4 as, as, uh, as a sabbatical for y'all. I mean, yeah. looking yeah. back on it now, would you think of it as, as at least for dad? I mean, mom, you kept on working, um, at your normal job, but dad, you, you stepped back from, from your vocation for a full year. Was it a sabbatical? Yeah, you could you could call it that. It was kind of an unplanned sabbatical because most uh, if 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 you're going on sabbatical, you get to plan for a little bit. Uh, we didn't have any plans, it, but it all fell fell into place anyway. So it worked out. I think yeah, you could call it a sabbatical. Definitely a sabbatical from full time work. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about it, Mom? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um... It was, it was, um, there was a good, lot of good things that happened that year, even though at the, you know, day one, January 5th, 2004, we couldn't see that, hmm. you know, we, what we saw was, uh, he no longer was going to have an income and, um, he was in pretty bad shape and we didn't exactly know what we were going to do. And so. At that point, it didn't look like it was going to be that great a year, hmm. but it turned out to be very good. Last two lines of questioning here um, on 04. I, I, so dad, you went to work for Mamaw and Papaw. Yeah, 2000. Uh, that sounds like it happened pretty soon in the year spring i think so, I think so. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 about about spring uh and you were doing church finance which for all of those who are not familiar uh you might need to explain what that is church financing is just like any other kind of financing but it comes in different forms some churches uh go to the bank get a regular everyday loan like everybody else does when they buy a house and some churches um we do church bonds and your mama and papa were, were in the church bond business. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did for a while. Then after, after that, I, I went into the regular type of bank financing, but anyway, uh, yeah, I was doing, I was church bond. I, I wasn't licensed. So there's a lot of things I couldn't do, mm -hmm. but there's some things I could do. And I was there for, for that, to, to support your mama and papa on that. Well, and I yeah. think too. I think one reason that they suggested that your dad travel with them, they they knew that he needed some kind of income. But also, your papa's health was getting pretty bad, and it was difficult for the two of them to travel because they had to travel. They had to go where these churches were, mm -hmm. and so I think for them it was a really good thing to have your dad along. I did a lot of driving. He helped with the driving. He he helped with papa 
And so it was, it was a win-win, you know, it was a good thing. Church bonds are just, you know, when a congregation needs to build, they are in debt to, the congregation is in debt to its own members as opposed to a bank. Or other people. people. Give me people within that church or other people in the community. In the community. Purchase the bonds. Mm -hmm. So you started out with with Mama and Papa. Uh, First of all, did that feel weird? Traveling with Mama and Papa? Yeah. All for about five or ten minutes. Really? That's interesting because I think like, you know, you're 50, you were 54 at that time. So you were 54 and frankly you were a very successful minister um by every measure of success in ministry work very successful minister you'd been the guy and here you are like riding around the country with your mom and dad again you know um i mean that would feel pretty weird for me it's just like oh my gosh i've moved back in with my parents after you know, cause you're staying in, you're literally staying in hotels with them and stuff. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, that's did true. you, I mean, was that hard on you, you know, from the point of view, it's like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? I, I, I live with my mom and dad again. You know, my mom and dad are giving me an allowance to, you know, drive them around the country and s- stay in a hotel with them. You didn't have any of that. Never. That never crossed my mind. No. No. Okay. Well, and you have to understand that you know that that we were real happy in Ohio all the years we were there, but it was always in our hearts to move back to Tennessee mm-hmm. and be close to family. And our parents were getting older, and um, so it was an opportunity for your dad to spend time with them—something yeah. that he'd wanted for a long time. And Papa's health was going down really quick. And uh, so I got, I got a chance to spend a lot of time with him, talk about a lot of different things. It was, it was good. It was a good time. Did you think, uh, I mean, Mom, you mentioned that Dad, or Dad, maybe you mentioned it a second ago, you actually did get into regular bank financing uh, right. at some point. Uh, and I, I remember, I think you were going to get licensed, weren't you? You were working on no, getting Papa, licensed? No, Papa wanted me to get licensed. Papa wanted you to get licensed. He was, he was pushing, pushing, pushing. I did not want to get licensed. You did not get one. Okay, so I, I, the I, question... I cannot get him to understand that, but you go ahead. Yeah, the question I was going to ask is, did you, for a minute, consider, you know, I'm going to change careers. This is what I'm going to do. No. 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 Were there any other, during that year, were there any other times where you thought, you know what, I don't want to go back to doing what I was doing before. I, I want to change careers. I want to do something else with the rest of my life. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, there were, there were times when I wanted to change careers, but I knew I, I, knew I deep down, I, I really didn't want to do it. I didn't think I, I could do it. Um, I did change, I did change careers in the sense that I went from full-time pulpit work to full-time involvement that was a that was a good transition that was a smooth transition that was a that was a healthy transition mm-hmm. and i've never regretted it i mean i love involvement i love what i've done in involvement i could i, I do not want to go back to full-time ministry 
the way it was. Mm -hmm. If there's another way of doing it where it's more pleasant, more helpful to the church, I'd be open to that. But I still know, I still know the way it is nowadays. So I would not want to go back. So it wasn't like, and I, I mean, you probably know as many as I do or more former ministers, former pastors that left church work altogether. And now they're, they're in a completely different line of work. Yeah. Uh, we've got several at our congregation that were ministers and now they work in the corporate sector. I mean, they just, yeah. they just left it behind and yeah. went and did something else. Every one of them too has a story mm-hmm. yep. about how ministry ended <laughs> yep. and it has them something to do with burnout, you know, um, and things like that. So you at no point during 2004 thought, yeah, I'm not going to go back to ministry. I'm going to go, I'm 54. I got another, you know, 15 years. I'm going to just go do something else with the rest of my career. Mom's shaking her head. So dad, you knew, it sounds like mom knew I'm going back. I'm going back to to church work at some point. Yeah. We always felt like that. But I had, but we had some really heavy discussions because I told him that if he went back into pulpit work, he absolutely had to go to a church that had a multi-staff mm-hmm. where he wasn't the only guy and he didn't carry the load by himself. Mm. But there would be other people who shared the load with him and he would have his responsibilities and they would have their responsibilities and that was that and and I can remember your dad saying well I just don't think a place like that exists and then I'd say well then you can't go back into it you know um because I didn't I knew if he got back into uh, a congregation where he was the guy the only guy that we'd be back in the same boat we were in before you know sometimes boundaries some boundaries you can set for yourself is that you don't put yourself into a situation where you're going to get into trouble. That's a boundary too. And so that was a boundary that I set that your dad fought me on for a little while, but eventually it worked out just like when he became the involvement minister, you know, and that was a few years later. And so we had these discussions about, we both knew he wanted to get back into church work. That's his love. And so we both knew that was going to happen, but it had to be different. Mm. It couldn't be the way it was before because we weren't going to go down that road again. Mm. We weren't going to go through that experience again. So did you set for yourself knowing that, okay, we're going back into church work at some point. Did you set for yourself like a timeline, like we think it's going to be, you know, a year or a year and a half, or was it more, okay, we're going to look for a certain thing. And whenever the certain thing presents itself, then we'll know it's time to go back. What it was, was your dad said, I will know when I feel like I'm able to go back. Okay. And that was it. When he felt like he, when he felt like he was ready, that's when we would do it, however long that took. When did you start feeling like you were ready again, Dad? <laughs> Probably the end of 2004. Mm-hmm. I think so. 
Yeah. That's right. I, I, I've been studying and growing and developing, and uh, and I was just ready to get back. I was ready to get back to full-time work. Of course, 2005, we went to part-time work, but that's another story for another time. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was ready. I was ready. I was kind of pushing for him to start back part-time just to see how he did. Yeah. In other words, find some little congregation that needs a minister, but they can't afford a full-time minister. So maybe you work for them three days a week and, and we're going to hold it to three days a week, you know, type thing. And um, so it was kind of an ease back into it type thing, but, but we definitely had some boundaries. That was one of the, that was one of the outcomes of 2004 was that we had boundaries. Hmm. So would you say that boundaries uh, by Cloud and Townsend or if you want to walk on water, get out of the boat by John Ortberg was a more uh, formational and important book to you that year. Those are the two titles that come up every single time that we've ever talked about that year and maybe a couple others, but would you say those two books were the main ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, if you want to walk on water probably was the predominant one at the time mm-hmm. and then boundaries um, would, would kick in when I went back to full-time, yeah, part-time or full-time work. You said y'all read and studied Ortberg's book. Yeah. Multiple times. No, that yeah. You, or, yeah. yeah, Ortberg. Yeah. We would, we would read through it uh, together and discuss it. And when we finished it, we'd start over again. We'd say, you wow. know, we need to go through that again. So we'd go back and start over again. And we did that three or four times that year. So what about that book? would you recommend to people who are listening to this make make the case for why that book is really important for them to read Ortberg? yeah um those it is for people that um live in fear live in doubt uh, live anxious lives uh have a difficult time believing that god's going to take care of them uh, or, or maybe some people having financial setbacks, family setbacks, um, people that are struggling with a lot of different things uh, that had to do with walking by faith instead of walking by sight. It's, it's a good book. But you would, you would think someone as seasoned as your mother and I would read it the first time and, and we go, aha, okay, good. No, it didn't, it didn't happen that way. It took four or five times for it to click. And I finally realized that I've just got to step out of the boat. I've just got to step on the water, keep my eyes focused on Jesus. And um, later when I studied that book with a group of men, I, I realized another thing, and that is your faith grows in proportion to how long you're walk, walking on the water. In other words, if you get out on the water for two seconds and you sink, your faith is not very strong. But if you get out there and walk on that water for 10 minutes or a day or two, your faith is going to be uh, super strong and you'll be ready for the next event that requires that. You uh, you just gave me the title of this episode. <laughs> what is it? Your faith grows in proportion to how long you're walking on water. Yep. 
That's John Ortberg. That's not me. That's John Ortberg. So if you want your faith to grow, you're going to get out on the water. Mm -hmm. Period. Get out of the boat. And the blessings come. Yep. When you get out of the boat. God always, 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 always rewards faith. What impresses God more than anything else is not our efforts. It's our faith. Yep. End of story. Period. End of story. End of episode. That's a good place to end. And just so y'all know, dad just put his socked feet up on the desk. So he's, he's leaning back and satisfied with, uh, with what he just said. Sounds like a good place to stop. There you go. Thank you for hanging out with my parents and me for the last hour. I hope you heard or learned something that helps you become healthier uh, more mature and more wise. The next time we'll hear about when dad and mom began to feel like it was okay to start thinking about going back to church work again. How did they know it was time? How did they apply the lessons they learned from dad's burnout and crash to prepare to do things differently with a new congregation? And what congregation would that be? We'll find out next time on Minister in the Making. Now, if you're finding these conversations with dad and mom to be useful and valuable, I recommend you pick up a copy of dad's book, We Are God's Masterpiece, now on sale at amazon.com. All of the lessons dad learned about congregational health and growth uh, comes together in this book. It is a guide that dad created for church leaders and church members to discover their spiritual gifts and put them to work together to grow and strengthen the body of Christ. I also ask that if you are getting some value from this podcast, please share it with an elder, a fellow church member, a minister or pastor who you think could benefit from the lessons that dad learned through his long career in congregational ministry. And if you're willing, please leave a good rating and review on whatever podcast service you use so that other people can find this. Meanwhile, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Until next time, grace and peace.